You're listening to You're United listening Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. And on today's show we've got Elliot Cunningham from Largom. Hey Elliot, are you right? Hello, how are you doing sir? You all good? Yeah, very good, thank you. We finally track you down. You've been... All Indeed. over the place, haven't you? And we finally managed to get you on the show. Finally managed to pin me down. Yeah, when I'm not um, when I'm not stuck in the car park, I'm yeah, tucked in bed or with the curtains closed and, and the doors locked, <laughs> hiding myself away from the barbecue. Yeah, um, we all need yeah. a break now and again. <laughs> yeah, no, we we all do. Indeed, absolutely, absolutely. Keeps cool. you fresh, keeps you moving. And it's just me and you on today's show because Dan's in bed. It's like one thirty a.m., so he's too lazy to get up. Um, while I look at it, is that right? Yeah, he is, yeah. Cool. Right, so let's just start off by you giving us a quick intro about who you are and what you're about. Sure, yeah. So my name is, um, my name is Elliot Cunningham. I'm uh, 24 years old. I live in London currently. Uh, and I've been a chef for the last sort of five, five six years. Um, again, it was an interesting one for me because I wasn't classically trained. I was I sort of learned on the job. Um, applied to a few little, you know, there were, there were sort of food prep jobs. They weren't really kitchen jobs, but I sort of wrote out a couple of emails and sent them around to people, namely um, the guys at Curb, actually, who oh, yeah. um, they they actually sent my email around to the the 15 traders they had on at the time, one of which was Pizza Pilgrims. Um, and they actually called me back within sort of 20 minutes of sending the email. And so I spoke with James, one of the owners of uh, of Peter Pilgrims, and he said, "Yeah, come on, pop by next Wednesday for for a little trial." And uh, the rest was history. So I, I went and worked with Peter Pilgrims on uh, on Dean Street with a little appé for for about a year. Um, shortly after that, you know, things kind of snowballed with with that concept, and restaurants opened, and and yeah, it just sort of blew up. And the beautiful thing for me at that stage, you know, I'd come from a first year at university at which I was trying to you know make my way to study uh, to study medicine to be a doctor so it's a you know slightly different um, yeah happened. different path you took <laughs> you know, a, a discussion for another day but yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, that that sort of opened my eyes to you know food being something more than just being a restaurant or you know fast food outlets so it was it was amazing to see something that these guys were so passionate about super simple product but people were you know as passionate as as excited to get down to the market you know to have a pizza on on their lunch break as, as the boys were to sort of make them and, and sell them so for me that was really inspiring and i remember from that moment when i saw it and, and sort of the, the fun and the buzz around the market specifically 
that was when I, you know, I knew that I wanted to, to start up something my own. So sort of got my head down and yeah, just tried to learn where I could and, and yeah, was reaching out to anyone and everyone that was uh, able to offer any work or advice or help with, you know, sort of navigating my way through the industry, which as you know, is a crazy sort of uh, yeah, system. definitely. Yeah. The moment, which, I don't know, you know, it's it, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong; I'm not, it's not something that I um I dislike about London, but it is it's not for everyone. Definitely, that that's for sure. You know, I've had friends that have have come and spent a few months down with us and cooking food that they like, and they're fantastic chefs. But they just find that sort of pace of life and and the pace of London per se itself just a little bit difficult to keep up with but uh, you know, I'm young got a bit of energy so I quite I quite like a little bit of that chasing mm. so that's a good thing for us keeps us on our toes and and yeah again if we can do it here and we can um get people interested in in London where it is so saturated and it is so good there is so much on offer then I, I'd say we're we're doing a pretty good thing and I'll be pretty happy with that definitely so what were you like into cooking before you were a chef and you like you were keen home cook or did you just yeah i mean from... i've come from the middle one of five siblings um so a family of seven wow. um so we were you know food was obviously a big part of of daily life and that's when we you know catch up with everyone and my dad and, and mum are both very good home cooks um and we we really enjoyed that was sort of what we enjoyed doing actually when, you know when we weren't at school Hmm. Which you know, not playing PlayStation next with my brother a little bit more me, yeah. but um, but yeah, cooking and, and being outdoors and, and you know camping out and doing stuff like that. We were lucky enough to live out in in Norfolk for a lot of, a lot of the time that I was growing up. Was born in Queens Park originally in North London and moved out to to Norfolk when I was a bit older. Um, but then again, to, to have the opportunity to grow up somewhere like Norfolk where. You know, we had no sort of restrictions in in being allowed out out after you know after school and things like that. It was just none of that sort of worry. I think from our yeah. family, uh, and that again, that's kind of due to, I guess, the mum side of the family. She's she's the Swedish side of the family, and that's very much the the Largon side of the family. Don't get me wrong, my my dad has got his Largon qualities, but uh, no, my mum is is the is the Swede in the family, so she's got a very, you know typically Scandinavian way of, of sort of, you know, bringing children up and then, you know, in the way that they should have the opportunity to, to be kids and not have to worry too much about, um, you know, growing up too fast and, and worrying too much about school and things like that, which, yeah. you know, we did. But So you know. so what does, what does Largom mean? So Largom is, is a Swedish word, which, it, you know, obviously get asked this quite a lot there is no direct translation for the word which in itself is why I, I chose it because it's there's almost a romance in that respect and it gets people thinking but in essence it means um virtue and moderation you know enough is as good as a feast so the idea is that with the right amount you know you don't have to have you know vast quantities of of everything or you know you know the idea is that just a little bit of everything makes for a, a really fantastic thing. And I, th I think that's yeah. where we draw on the, on the Scandinavian side more than we than people actually like to believe. I think it's been lumped as one of those things as it's been called Swedish barbecue, which, you know, you ask any Swede. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what's Swedish barbecue? <laughs> um, 
but you know, it's it's a thought process, and it, it gets a little bit of intrigue. People get thinking, and and that was the idea for it. Really, it's it's, it's very much a British English, uh, British Swedish concept. But you know, obviously, the word is is very Swedish. So we try and use a little bit of that ethos of preserving and and pickling and smoking. Obviously, is, is why we use that sort of method of cooking. But again, we're just trying to diffuse a little bit of that. I guess you could call it masculinity in, in the sense of barbecue. Typically, everything's you know steaks and ribs and huge cuts of meat. Which don't get me wrong, we do do. Yeah. Um, and our menu at Dinorama is is very much sort of catered to that area. But our concept exists best when we can sort of showcase everything that can go through that fire, as opposed to you know just a pulled pork bun or some ribs. And and I think that's something that London's most certainly missing. And, and we're sort of hopefully going to be the ones to yeah bring it along and 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 show people that yeah there's a little bit more to barbecue than than ribs and sort of burgers and things like that really definitely and like dinorama is such an awesome place if if people haven't been there before they need to get there like where have you been you've been living under a rock it's like <laughs> such a such <laughs> yeah. a cool place to be and there's so many different awesome vendors there how did you like get to come about being part of that I mean, again, that's you're absolutely right. If, if there's anywhere to be in London with markets, Street Feast is is most certainly one of them. It's um, you know they're sort of paving the way for street food, and and we're there in the first few days of of, uh, of curb and and the pizza pilgrims trading. They actually had pilgrims originally back in Street Feast when I was working for them, and that's that's how I got in touch with all the guys and and the gang and the crew at Street Feast, and sort of became, you know friends with the guys there would see them every weekend and I guess over the years the industry being as small as it is you kind of bump into people and yeah you're always sort of yeah interacting with them at some point or another you know whether it be working in the same restaurant or whether it be you know you're cooking for their staff party or something like that you you, you tend to see these people around um so they always knew, knew me as a cook for either pizza pilgrims or following that I then joined um one of the other Greek street food greats, which was a uh, smokestack. Oh yeah, they opened up um, shop. What was it? A year? A year in September? Mm. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they. I then joined Smokestack, who obviously were in and sort of built their brand in, in street feast as well as everywhere else in the country at festivals and things like that. And um, you know, again, that's was an incredible opportunity for me to be part of something like that where. You know, I could see it um, coming into fruition and, and David and Lucy, you know, were really, really pushing it. And, and that was super inspiring to be part of something like that. And again, it, it kind of showed that you could create this buzz for food in a car park, you know, which I just thought was so ridiculous. But that was kind of what was so, I guess, romantic in, in certain ways about it. You know, you're, you're up till 11, 12 o'clock at night. But, you know, people are traveling hundreds of miles to come and eat a, a brisket roll. And that's a, that was a fantastic thing for me to see as a young cook. And particularly in the, in the instances with, I hate to call it the economic climate, for yeah. one of the phrase. Um, you know, we were being bombarded with, oh, yeah, it's going to be so hard. You know, you're going to have to work for 75. You know, you're not going to do any of this, that and the other. You're going to go to university for six years for, you know, £9,000 a year. Come out with a lot of debt at the other end, which... Whilst I, you know, I wasn't feeling hopeless. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was a really nice. Yeah, it's not an appealing prospect, is it? <laughs> I know. But then to see that businesses were starting and doing so well in a climate where, you know, you ask anyone if they want to start a business now or 
five years ago they'd said hell no mm. you know, it's not the opportunity or the time to do it but i think given the success and you see of people like um, pizza pilgrims bleeper burger smokestack and, and even you know the, a lot of the smaller companies that it's an amazing feat i think given the nature of where we are at the moment in in this world day and age you know it's, it's one of those things it's fantastic it's really really nice to see and again to be part of something like that myself and to have achieved something like that is, you know, I definitely feel a bit of pride and, and that's a really exciting thing and that's a really nice thing to have. And that's not me trying to be sort of blowing my own head up, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really encouraging thing to have at this stage. Definitely. So do you think it was working with the smokestack people that got you inspired to want to start something that was a bit more barbecue focused? Well, I mean, fire's always been the sort of way that I like to cook. So Pizza Pilgrims was all was fired as well so that was a, a burning oven a wood burning oven yeah um so i've always in some to some degree stuck within that sort of theme i worked briefly for six actually that's no, probably a couple of few months now actually i worked at yosma with um a chef called hus who used to work um for jamie back in the day for barbacoa fantastic chef mm. a turkish chef from from green lanes and he really really knows his his sort of mangal and his mahani food, you know, that that Turkish food is really, really popular because it's it's really humble and honest. But the way that you cook it over the fire means that you end up with this fantastic product. You know, it's that process that gives you that thing at the end. And it's the the knowledge of someone like Hus or one of these guys that runs the mangals in Green Lane. You know, they're, they're only cooking very basic things, but the food is fantastic. And it's, yeah, it's just very black and white in that respect and i like that it's really really good yeah and i think that with you can name it barbecue but it, we're not it's not really i guess barbecue can be used as a term in so many different ways but it's just to like it in itself simplicity is of, often the thing that makes it stand out from everything else and i think that that's what you kind of just said there really is that like it isn't extremely extravagant stuff it's quite simple food but simple food done well tastes amazing i think that you that's exactly right you know you hit the the nail on the head so to speak and i think for us if we go back to what you know what we want with largon is you know we want we want the the texas brisket or the south north carolina whole hog version of, you know we want england's version of that if that yeah. makes sense yeah well, whilst obviously you've got hog roast, and that's why we tend to cook a little bit more pig than anything else, mm-hmm. um, there isn't really anything that's got that sort of yeah, status, I don't think, here yet. Because I guess we've we've only just become that that sort of food culture, and we've just found our sort of food identity, I guess. I know we've had you know amazing restaurants here before my time and before lots of other people's time in the cooking industry, but we're now at a stage where we've got such a range. You know, You can go anywhere in London and have anything from all across the world. And it's uh, that's a really nice thing, um, but yeah, I think barbecue it, it makes it easy, and that's again why people are called our our concept Swedish barbecue because it's relatable. You know, they 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 understand what it is. So I think um, we you know we're not necessarily against the term barbecue, but I think it's quite often overlooked, and it, it, you know you forget that there are some really fantastic very humble like basic techniques within a barbecue that are you know yeah again overlooked and, and produce some amazing food and, and flavors it's, it's great it's a really really good thing to work with and no no two days are the same when you're lighting a fire you know it's it's always 
slightly different, which is really fun. Yeah, definitely. So because, what's, what's cursing the days, but yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're like, well, I've got this queue of people stood here, and why is yeah, it not it's doing it's what good. it normally does? <laughs> it's dark. Yeah, my, and my feet are wet. Yeah, you know, that's when you're thinking, oh god, what have I done? Yeah, why didn't I just have an oven in a nice warm kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. That was your choice. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What's a typical like menu? What could we expect to see at Largon? Well, our Danorama at the moment, we we kind of we you know we cook food that people want to eat as well. You know, we're we're not shy of having a bit of fun with it. The Scandinavian thing has been you know it's it's not something that's gone untouched in terms of in terms of bringing it in as an influence into Britain, but it tends to be very clinical, which. You know, I'm, I'm not very clinical and, unless you go back into my willingness to, to want to study medicine. Yeah, I was going to say your medical past would say otherwise. <laughs> it can be a little bit. You know, everything becomes very reduced back and very clean and sort of white and pristine and barbecue being far from that. You know, we it's we want to show that it, it doesn't have to just be this sort of minimalist style. It can be something that's also just enough, but it's fun as well. You know, you were having a bit of fun with it. So at Dynorama at the moment, we've got... Um, riblets on. We've got a really great pork tomahawk on, which is fantastic. It's from some fantastic pork up in North Yorkshire. Uh, and again, you know that people see that and they think well, that's not lagum at all. Which you know you might be right in certain contexts, but you know, it is in in the sense that it's it's the best quality of of meat that we can provide to that customer at that point without you know blowing the wallets out of their pockets. It's, yeah. it's one of those things, and, and I think. Some people care for that, and some people don't. So it is definitely finding that balance between, you know, what what people are willing to pay for and, and happy to pay for. And we, you know, we we want to be honest with people. We want to provide people with good food, and we we're not going to shy about about the fact if it costs a little bit more or whatever. You know, we're we're, we're honest about it. And traceability is again a really important thing for us, and that's kind of what gives a bit of credibility and validity to the, your price points at this stage so i guess if you're looking at us at dinorama we're doing a couple of a couple of ribs pork ribs we're doing a couple of buns one of which is it's sort of a dot of the cat to the hog roast but also the american style of pork cooking pork so we take whole pork shoulders and brine them for two days um and then grill them directly on on coal and, and silver birch so in the States, obviously, you would, you know, you'd cook them offset. Typically, that's that's the way they'd smoke them. And obviously, hog roast here, you would cook directly. But we do a sort of a mishmash of both, which ends up giving us a really nice or sort of unique flavor and, and texture as well. And we just take that shoulder, chop it up. So a bit of slaw and, and some apple, smoked apple sauce and a bit of chili. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, that sounds really good. That's like the kind of, like you said, the perfect hybrid of both, well, that's, both yeah, cultures. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a stage now in London anyway where we can move forward. So long as we stick within certain sort of guidelines and frames, then it's it's not becoming gimmicky. It's just becoming a bit, you know, there always has to be development. But you don't just develop for the sake of being that chef that's always developing something new and cool. It's not yes. that. It's, it should be developing to, to utilize and maximize efficiency of a product or a member of staff or whatever it may be. And, you know, I say that in a... It sounds like, you know, I'm sort of some businessman exploiting everyone, but it's not that. It's We want to make people's lives easier at work so that they can focus on enjoying it and 
that's when people will you know support the the, the concept and the brand of, of Lagan because it's as much us having fun with it and us being able to talk to people like yourselves about why we're cooking it and how we cook it. it that's as much part of the concept as, as eating and, and being there to actually buy the food. You know, that's a really important thing for us. And again, Dynarama has been able to help us facilitate that and actually see that into fruition because it's a, it's a market, it's a street food market. So you're directly there with the customer and that's, that's a really valuable thing for us and we, we love that. Is that the dish you were cooking at Meatopia? The chopped pork shoulder. Yes, it was indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we did that in a potato bun. So chopped pork shoulder, potato bun. Um, so smashed pickles, it's cucumbers and beets, just sort of cubed up. And yeah, just in a really, really nice sort of light, light roll. And again, we wanted to go to Meatopia, something that you know, everyone, you know, they, they do some amazing dishes there and we just wanted to go with something that was very honest and, and humble and and just do it right and do it really, really well and, and do it as best we can. And I think it yeah, it was really received very well. People really enjoyed it. We we sold out. But um yeah, so I was kicking myself for not cooking as much meat as I I, sh- I should have cooked a little bit more. But um given you look, the- you look like you had a lot though, when I came to say <laughs> hello to you, like the drum was like full to the brim, so yeah, no, I don't I know had- where you'd have fitted anymore. <laughs> um I think it was five whole shoulders. Yeah. Bearing in mind that the service period is a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, four hours. It's um yeah, it's a lot of pork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fantastic. It was so nice to be part you know, you're competing or well, not competing, but you're up mm. there with the best chefs in the industry. And you know, we're we're small fries when you you know, we're You've got signs next to Richard Turner and you know, people coming over from the States and coming over from Cape Town. To be included in something like that is, is amazing. That's that's what keeps us going, you know. Yeah, and you literally were right next to Richard Turner as well, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's not just a, a figure of speech. You were next to him, weren't you? <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> and what, how was his queue? Was your queue bigger? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we won't go into that then. Let's not go into that. <laughs> Isn't it time? No. <laughs> no. It's funny. We actually, at um, National Burger Day the other day, and we did. Um, we got asked as a, a last-minute filler to be part of National Burger Day. Yeah. We we yeah we went. You know, to our best efforts to make a really decent cheeseburger, and it was fantastic. It was really really good. And Richard came up at the end and was like, "How on earth did you make that burger?" And he, I got a message from him. You know, every week since then, or not every week, maybe every couple of weeks, we're like, yeah. mate, how did you make the burger? I'm yeah. not going to, I don't want the exact <laughs> coffee. I just want to know roughly how you made it. And it's one of those things, I, you know, I quite like, I feel a little bit smug. With yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> Have you been feeding him misinformation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually veal, really. Yeah. It's veal and mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's veggie burger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the real, that's the real catch to it, really. Yeah. So what what do you like talking of veggie stuff? Do you do much veggie stuff? Yeah, so uh, again, going back to our menu at Dynarama, we've got um, a really, really, really good um, veggie bun on, and it's you know lots of people think it's a really boring option, but it's a mush- a portobello mushroom bun. Um, but that was actually, in terms of sort of press and, and marketing, that's actually been the one that most people have picked up in terms of being the lookout dish for us at Dynarama is actually the veggie bun. Mm. Um, which is again for us to have that feedback was exactly what we wanted in that instance. You know, it's it was I think it was a mention in timeout or something like that. But again, it's it's perfect that people are picking up on that side of the the barbecue element rather than it being just 
okay, look at that massive tomahawk, you know, that they're cooking. Yeah. Barbecue sauce. But the mushroom, again, is fantastic. We do some really, really good sides. Um, sweet potato, namely at the moment, is, is probably my probably my favorite dish on the menu. So we smoke a whole sweet potato, um, cut it in half, and sort of char it up. So you, you sort of blacken up a little bit of that um, that sugar in there. And that just completely intensifies. You get this beautiful sort of caramel flavor, smoky flavor to the sweet potato. Um, we then brush that with a bit of smoked butter, um, top it with some ranch dressing that we make in-house, a little bit of parmesan and fried lemon thyme on, on top, and that's it. And again, that's a really, really simple dish, but it's fantastic. And the reason it's so good is because of the way that it's cooked, the process that it goes through that fire means that every element in that dish is is sort of lifted up. So that, that charring of that sweet potato just completely brings it right up. You wouldn't get that effect in a, in a pan or in a... No. In a but unless you left it in there by accident. You know, but, <laughs> but it's, and I like that those little twists and turns that you get with barbecue. You can take classic sort of dishes and, and you've got a lot of influence from all over the world that they will always do barbecue some way or another. So it's, it's a really nice thing to explore and, and work with, I think, the fire. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. What sort of equipment are you actually cooking on? Uh, we only use drum actually. Drum is much to people's... Um, skepticism is I, I think it's a fantastic cooker it's it's amazing um you get a really unique and yeah just yeah seriously unique and sort of individual flavor from from using a drum it's, it's very like cook dependent that that one batch of cooking will taste like that day's cooking you know you won't you won't get the same and be able to replicate it so much the next day mm. that's why we try and control where we can with things like brines um so we get a little bit of consistency there so people can always know to expect a certain level of product. But the cooking is always indirect and direct. So we do a bit of both, but that always – so it's, I guess, closer more to mangal and Caribbean grilling rather than and smoking per se. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, a lot of our cooking does happen directly over the, the charcoal and the fuel. So that's – gives us our own little flavor and, and taste, I guess. But yeah, we cook with a couple of drum cues and Miles um, also built us a, a cabinet smoker, which we've, we've got down at Dynorama. But other than that, we, we just use those. So we're, we're probably one of the few restaurants or outlets in London that are actually cooking manual barbecue. You know, there is, there's no gas being regulated here. There's no, you know, shelves that are spinning around and we're cooking volume-wise, similar amount. Not maybe not, maybe not someone like Smokestack, but a lot of these other smaller barbecue outlets, we're cooking the same amount, but we're physically moving things in and out. And a good friend of ours, or a mutual friend of ours, Ben Christian, yeah, he again, he's probably one of the other few people that's cooking sort of real, real and true barbecue. You know, in the sense of having to physically, it's dirty work. You know, it's not something where you go in in the morning with a clean chef jacket and you come out clean the other side you most certainly don't you look like a chimney sweep by the end of the day you know it's one of those things where it's quite physical and it's not um yeah it, it is physical. definitely like you say like look at any of christian's team at the end of the day <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's, that's that's for sure <laughs> but for us to be doing that it's um we, we want to try and maintain that style of cooking for as long as possible. You know, we don't want to, obviously we want to grow, but 
if we, if we grow to a position that we're not able to cook in that that same way, we're not able to cook directly over drums or have the person, you know, the pit master there per se to watch it, then our product and concept has changed. So it's it's slightly different at that point. Yeah. So how much like, how much food are you doing that is like a low and slow style cook? Well, the they are they all fairly low low temperature, but we just cook slightly differently. So our our pork shoulder, for example, I cut it into pieces. Mm. So I don't cook the whole shoulder. We get whole we shoulders in with the bones in. We debone them, um, slice them up into sort of four. And another thing to know is we buy the whole shoulder. So not only the the pork butt, we get everything from the picnic, the you know the the hock on the yeah. strutter. Um, the full hand really exactly exactly so we get that all the way up to the shoulder and up to the jowl so we get all these little bits um that you can work through that that chuck pork and pulled pork which gives you a really nice texture and some of the spots might be a little bit leaner and some might be a bit fattier so it's up to us when we're prepping it all to try and mix and match with with the right bits so that we always get a decent amount and um the beauty of that is as well we can kind of control our product a little bit better in the sense of we're not wasting as much because we're only cooking smaller amounts. You know, we're, we're cooking smaller pieces, which one cook a bit quicker Yeah. Two, if we do have leftovers, we can actually chill them down mm-hmm. because there's nothing, there's no, you know, they're not taking hours and on to, to, to cool down and, and to be put in the fridge. We can chill something down within half an hour if we take it out of the wrap because they're that much smaller than a whole pork shoulder. Yeah. And that's that's again part of the the Largom sort of ethos, and now you know being as efficient and as sustainable and traceable as possible. Really, that's that's the groundwork we we've got to put in, and that's where you'll see us hopefully, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. That's where most of it will come from, and that that's what we're really looking forward to getting our teeth stuck into. And mm. really important thing for us, I think it's an important thing for everyone at this moment in time to be a little bit conscious of that. And, don't get me wrong, have fun with it all, but you know, we need to really start stepping toward that more sort of sustainable end of eating and, and being sort of consumers as well. I think it's it's about time. Definitely. Yeah. We've had we've spoke about that in a few episodes recently, so yeah, it's definitely a topical thing to be talking about. And another one on that specifically, I mean all of our meat is English, for example. Yeah. We nothing we we buy nothing that's that's shipped over from the States. We don't buy any beef that's even imported from Europe or pork for that matter that's imported from Europe it's all English and it's all outdoor red bread sorry and it's it's all um yeah it's it's all raised as it should be if, mm-hmm. if you are eating meat then that we're we're consciously striving towards the most sustainable and, and the best product that we can get so you know we have had our issues with people thinking that our stuff is a bit expensive but you know we're happy with that and we think it's the right way to do it so yeah know, we believe in it, so we have to, yeah, we'll stick to our guns. Yeah, good. So what's next for Largon then? Um, next for Largon will be, I think, just just keep the ball rolling. Again, it's showing people and, and like installing a bit of confidence into London and, and into the sort of crowd as, as much as possible, really, you know, in the sense that we can... We're known to be cooks, you know, that we're known to, to know how to cook over fire and, and whether it be meat or fish or veg. If you rock up wherever we are, then you're going to have a, a laugh and you're going to have a good time and, and enjoy some really good food. And that's that's something that I always want to be doing. You know, I always want that interaction with people and 
and, and make the, the food a really nice sort of intimate experience like it was for us when we were growing up. You know, that was a really valuable time for us. And it was, you know, you can chat and talk about anything, you know, as soon as you start eating. So you almost have that sigh of relief when you're out with a group of friends or whoever it may be. And it just like the wheels get in motion, you know, I really like that feeling of, you know, you've all met up for dinner and put your orders in. And then as soon as food comes out, you know, it's just, it just sets a slightly different tone to the evening. So the more we can do things like that, whether it be events, weddings and things like that, and people are still really excited, that's the better option for us rather than, you know, going 100 miles an hour and trying to get our foot in the door of a, of a restaurant space and being exhausted after three years, not only ourselves, but people being bored of the concept and the, the food would be a really disappointing thing for me. So yeah. the, the more longevity we can give to the concept, the better. So we're always seeking ways that we can keep it fresh and keep it moving and, and yeah, keep people excited. You know, Ultimately, we'd like to get a lot of the punters involved and customers involved and teach people about why we cook and when we cook what we do. You know, that's, that would be a really, really great thing for Lago and myself personally to, to be end up doing. That would be really good. Awesome. Well, keep up the good work, mate, because you're doing awesome. You're only Thanks. still, you said at the beginning, you're 24, so yes, you've got yes. a lot of years of cooking left in you. <laughs> I do indeed, I do indeed, yeah. Still time to go back and be a doctor as well at the end of it. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, you know, exactly, that's it. No, I don't think you'll be doing that now. <laughs> that's the new street feed concept, you know, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Right, we're just, we round up now because we've taken up enough of your time. You're a busy guy. Um, what uh, what can you let everyone know, like where they can find you on social media, or website addresses yes. or anything like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, first and foremost, thank you ever so much for, for having me on the show. No problem. Um, really nice to chat to you again. It's, it's great for me to have an opportunity to be able to explain outside of sort of the Dynorama um, context, you know, what Lagam is and what it's about. And again, currently you can find us at um, Dynorama, which is 17 to 19 Great Eastern Street, uh, EC2A3EJ, and that's um, in Shoreditch. Um, other than that, keep an eye on our socials, which is at Eat Lagom. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Nate, mainly. Uh, keep an eye on that for for specials and sort of up and coming events and things like that. Otherwise, just drop me a message or, you know, if, if you're interested to come and see us and, and visit us and learn a little bit about what we're doing, then, you know, just drop me a message or get in touch through Facebook or through through you guys. And, and yeah, we're always always keen to talk to people about what we're up to and we're, we're always keen to get people involved as well. So come holler at us. Awesome. Well, thanks again, mate, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. Lovely. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. No worries. Cheers. Well, cheers, dude. Bye. Bye. You're listening to your United Q podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. 
Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out KamadoJoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips, or planks, you can find them at SmokewoodShack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at SmokewoodShack. 